It's good to be here this morning, and we're looking forward to uh, just uh, seeing what God is going to say this morning. You know, I thought for a second there I had to get up there and do some type of dance or something to keep y'all's attention like the kids, but then y'all might get up and leave. So uh, uh, anyway, it's great to be here, and uh, uh, as we as we look at God's Word today, we're going to be kind of focusing on, on Palm Sunday. Uh, you know, this is the beginning of Holy Week, as Ross had mentioned, and every day should be Easter to us, and every week should be Holy Week for us as believers. Uh, but this is the week that we uh, are uh, that we set aside to to have those special thoughts about Christ and who he is. And today I want us to look at, uh, a little bit about the uh, triumphal entry and, uh, uh, and about Jesus and who he really was. Uh, uh, and as we, as we think through that, uh, I've said for, for several years uh, that it's pretty uh, a good thing that I didn't write scripture uh, because the, the story of Jesus, if I would have written it, would have probably uh, looked more American. Uh, it looked more like how uh, we grow up. Uh, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm a product of a dad who loved to watch Westerns. So John Wayne was his hero. And uh, I remember uh, watching all those shows when uh, growing up. And so if I was writing a story, uh, Jesus would have rode in on the white horse. Uh, uh, he had uh, come in and he had looked around and he had seen the people that was against him and he would have uh, uh, taken their names and took care of them and uh, done everything that the Jews wanted him to do uh, and uh, he would have rode off victorious. Uh, uh, so I began to think this week, and uh, you know, some of you that know me know my mind sometimes thinks a little bit differently. I thought about the different triumphal entries that happen around the different places around the world uh, uh, that we may uh, know of, and some of them may be silly, but uh, uh, but you know, my, my first thought, and I almost showed a clip of uh, uh, Prince Ali Ababa coming into the city on the movie Aladdin. Uh, uh, I don't know if your kids watched it. I know all our kids in the, that were here earlier would have watched it. And as he came marching in and all the, the people singing and dancing and uh, with all his uh, gold and the exotic animals and him riding on the uh, top of the elephant and everybody singing and dancing and crowding the streets because uh, here he was coming in to... Uh, to claim uh, the girl of his dreams. And so uh, I thought about that triumphal entry. Uh, uh, I also think about another one that uh, probably is, uh, maybe resonate a little bit with you guys. Uh, uh, every uh, Saturday in uh, uh, football season, it just seems like there's a triumphal entry. The team pulls up, uh, there's crowds gathered around, and there's Tiger Walk. And as the, ticket, as the team walks through, people are trying to reach out and touch them and high five them and get pictures made with them and uh, uh, that's a, a, a great entry for those players. Uh, uh, but then I also thought about uh, something that was kind of interesting for me uh, personally. When I, was in, when I was in junior high, uh, uh, we had an experience at my home church. Uh, it was celebrating its 125th anniversary, so it's uh, getting close to 200 years old now. Uh, but when I was in junior high, we had a special guest. The founding pastor of my home church in First Baptist Menden in Louisiana uh, was uh, a guy named George Washington Baines. Uh, he was the great-grandfather of uh, Lyndon Johnson. So LBJ and Lady Bird were the guests of honor in our service. And uh, I remember when they came to town, people were lining the streets, waving at the motorcade as he came in. Uh, uh, we had to basically fight for a seat in church uh, 
Uh, I was in the very corner of the balcony. I can remember the Secret Service were there. It was uh, uh, people were reaching out to touch him and try to get pictures made with him and all the different things that come with being a celebrity. And, uh, uh, but you know, in every one of those cases, there, there are people that celebrate that, but there's also people that look at those and they're maybe not the, maybe they don't celebrate. Uh, you know, the, uh, uh, when LBJ came to my home church, it was in the middle of the Vietnam War. Uh, there were protesters there as well. There were people who didn't like what was happening with the civil rights. And so, uh, so I thought about the fact that we were all excited about having him there and uh, celebrating. There were people that weren't as happy as we were. Uh, uh, you know, if you're on Auburn's campus on Tiger Walk, everybody that's there is not an Auburn fan, and everybody doesn't think Tiger Walk's that special of a thing. So, uh, uh, so there's people that feel differently. Uh, uh, even with Prince Ali uh, in the movie, uh, uh, there were some people that didn't think that he was such a special person. And so, in every one of those cases, again, like I say, my mind doesn't always think like the normal people, I guess, but I thought about every one of those it, it, uh, is a, a triumphal entry that didn't quite measure up to what uh, Jesus's was like. Again, I think if we would have written the story, Jesus would have wrote in and all the glory and all the, the power and uh, it, it would have looked extremely different. But, uh, you know, there's no denying that there was a touch of glory in Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. The people had heard how he had raised Lazarus from the dead just that, uh, recently. Uh, the, the word had spread about how he had healed people, how he had fed people. He caused the deaf to hear. Uh, the blind to see, he restored families together, he had compassion and love for people, and the crowd was excited that this miracle worker was coming to their city. Uh, uh, they were waving the palm branches like the kids did. Uh, they welcomed him as they would welcome a king, mostly. He was the man that came uh, in and they thought that he was going to do something very special for them. Uh, uh, he would give them freedom, freedom from the Roman oppression and bring prosperity. Uh, bring a time of peace to their troubled land. Uh, and, you know, and I think about it as Jesus came through, I wonder, I, I, you know, I think uh, in the past I've always thought there's just this mass of uh, humanity Then Jesus just kind of worked his way through the crowd coming into Jerusalem. But then I began to think, you know, there were probably a lot of people that he knew, a lot of people that he had, uh, that he had, had uh, a relationship with, people that he had touched at, uh, over the years. Uh, you know, perhaps blind Barnabas was there in the crowd, uh, able to see uh, Jesus as he came into the city. Uh, you know, what about Zacchaeus? Was he trying to climb up into a tree to see Jesus as he came into the city? Uh, uh, lepers uh, whose skins uh, were cleansed by, the, by our Savior, were they there uh, celebrating his entry? Maybe Jairus' daughter, who he brought back to life, was there to, to see him. And uh, Lazarus, Mary, Martha, all his friends, the disciples were there. They had seen all these wonderful things. So, so I think as we think through it, it wasn't just a mass of humanity for Jesus. It was people. It was people whose faces he knew, people he saw, people he loved, people he cared for, uh, as well as the masses. But there were also people there that really didn't like him. Uh, there were people that wasn't there celebrating. There were the Sadducees, the Pharisees, those who spiritual leaders who were jealous of him. Uh, they were afraid of him, and he had so much po uh, popularity. They wanted to do everything they could to, to discredit him uh, uh, to the point of even planning his death. And the Romans were there, uh, the Roman soldiers. They're fearing, fearing that there may be some other, uh, some type of revolt 
against the government. So they were ready and waiting to crush any uprising that might occur. So it, it's not just this simple walking in, waving branches and saying, Hosanna. Uh, Jesus realized that that was going to quickly turn. It's going to quickly change from people uh, uh, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, to saying, crucify, crucify. He knew that. Uh, think about this. Over 2,000 years ago, the Sadducees had a tradition that they believed that the Messiah would show up four days before the Passover, uh, riding on a, on a colt. Uh, they, uh, th they celebrated this every year. They prepared for it. They opened up their temple, uh, waiting for the Messiah to come in, riding on the coat. They knew Scripture well. Uh, in, in Zechariah 9, 8 through 9, it says, But I will defend my house against marauding forces. Never again will an oppressor overrun my people, for now I am keeping watch. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on the donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So as that day that Jesus rode in, the people uh, of Israel knew that scripture. And they saw him coming in four days uh, ahead of time. As he came in, he came in from Bethany through the Mount of Olives. He rode across the, the Kidron Valley. Uh, they called it a valley, but it's really more like a, a canyon that he rode through. He would have ridden across right past the original city uh, of Jerusalem that King David had, had built. And coming up, he would have uh, come right past the temple the temple that's not there anymore. Uh, uh, what, can you imagine what that scene was like? The people that had seen all these wonderful things that happened, the people that, that had seen him bring people back to life and seen all these miracles, and they knew their scripture, and they saw this person they thought was going to be the king that's going to uh, save them from the Roman Empire, riding in on the colt, like scripture said. Uh, that's where... Uh, Things kind of became just really crazy in all that situation. People were worshiping and celebrating and dancing, and they were excited that Jesus was coming through. Do you think they were just caught up in the emotion of it? Do you think they really thought through what was going on? Uh, uh, I think Jesus, for him, it must have been really bittersweet because he knew prophecy. Uh, he knew what he was there for, and he had tried to prepare his, his followers of what it was there. He was, he was on his way to his death. Uh, uh, but the people didn't know that. They were cheering and they were paving the way for him with palm branches, with laying their clothes before him. <clears throat> and in their mind, there was no doubt that this was the promised king, the king that God was sent uh, to restore them to who they were. <clears throat> but this king was different, very different. There was no white stallion. There was no show of power. Uh, there was no music playing in the background. He just rode in on a as a humble man riding on a donkey, an animal that's used for farmers to, to haul things around from one place to, to another. You know, as he rode along, he didn't smile. He didn't give the royal waves. He didn't do all the different things that we think about when we see these big uh, entries into to cities. Uh, that in the book of Luke, Luke tells us that as Jesus got closer to the city, that he wept. Uh, he knew that the enemies had plotted to kill him and how to get rid of him. But he also knew that in a few days the crowd was going to be going from yelling Hosanna to crucify. Uh, but he didn't weep for himself. He wept for the people because he had compassion for him. He wept because the people wanted peace in their city, but they couldn't see that Jesus was the source of their peace. He wept because they needed forgiveness for their sins. Uh, they needed a restored relationship with the Father. 
He wept with grief because he could see a time when Jerusalem would be destroyed uh, and they would continue to be under uh, more more oppression. And he, he gave up his life for that. Uh, uh, this was no ordinary king. Uh, he came to serve. He didn't come to, to be the, uh, the king like they expected. He came to serve people. Uh, and if you look at his life, that was the nature of who he was. Uh, our passage today, uh, we're going to be kind of focusing on a couple of passages, but uh, really want to focus on Ephesians, uh, I mean Ephesians, uh, Philippians chapter 2. Uh, and look at what the, the Bible says that we need to look at when we hear about Jesus and we think about his entry into the city. Uh, you know, Jesus uh, uh, gives us a lot of instructions in our life. Uh, he tells us how we should live. Uh, but in this passage, in chapter 2, starting with uh, verse 1, it says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ and any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, as we, uh, as we look at who Christ is and how we should live, it says we're to imitate him uh, and his work that he did to, for us to, to mimic, for us to copy, was a, a very selfless work, uh, a selfless desire to serve others. He gave up everything he had, as it said in, uh, in Philippians, and took the nature of a servant. He was humble. Uh, the Palm Sunday king didn't want to be a dominant king. Uh, he didn't want to be uh, uh, the type of person that they wanted him to be. He just wanted to, to love on people, have compassion with them, and have him understand the relationship that they need with the Father. Uh, uh, he considered the needs of others first, even if that meant dying and giving up his own life for us. Uh, you know, the theme of service is very powerful if you look through the life of Jesus. And I think, you know, if you think about Holy Week, uh, one of the, the, the times that he demonstrates service more than any other in his life is when he prepared to wash the dust off the disciples' feet. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. So Jesus tied a towel around his waist. He grabbed a bowl of water and he knelt before the disciples to wash their feet. The, it's the picture of a true servant. Uh, Jesus was the teacher. He was their rabbi, the master. And they even thought of him as their king. But he didn't give a second thought about getting down on his hands and knees and doing the lowliest work of all uh, to wash the feet, the dirty feet of his disciples. It's the job that only servants would do. But Jesus was willing to do it. You know, when, when I graduated from seminary and moved to First Baptist Silicon, Alabama, I thought I knew everything about ministry that there was. Uh, uh, our staff had been there a long time. Uh, Brother Bill Dean was a the pastor there for 30 years. Jerry Dykes was on staff there for 
35 years as music minister. Ralph Klein had been there for 12, and I'd come in with all my ideas, and they'd just shake their heads and say, you'll learn. Uh, and, uh, and now I look back and thinking that, that they didn't really know anything. They didn't know what they were talking about. I catch myself doing a whole lot of things that they taught me to do. Uh, uh, and uh, I remember very distinctly, after just being there a few weeks, uh, we had a, an issue with one of the bathrooms. Uh, on a Sunday morning, uh, and our pastor grabs the plunger, and I said, won't we call somebody to do that? And I'll never forget what he said. If you're too good to unstop toilets, you're not good enough to teach or lead. Uh, and I think, what, a, and I thought, that was crazy. Uh, but then you think about Jesus, I think Jesus would say the same thing, wouldn't he? Uh, he humbled himself. Uh, he didn't think himself better than anyone else. Uh, and he demonstrated that to his disciples by, by washing their dirty feet. Uh, in the Old Testament, Isaiah describes what we think of this week as uh, a lot, the suffering servant. Uh, and the Bible says he endured the suffering that should have been ours, the pain that we have should have borne because of our sins. He was wounded beaten because of the evil we did. He was treated harshly but endured it humbly and he never said a word. You know, there's no glory there. It's just someone who's suffered as a servant, suffered to, to do the things it needed to do. The king of the universe, the king of glory, was treated cruelly uh, by the people. He was mocked, he was whipped, he was beaten, he was nailed to the cross, and he died a shameful death. He died a criminal. Uh, and he allowed all that to happen because he loved you and he loved me. Uh, and because he desired the relationship, the relationship between God and humanity, and he wanted it to be restored. He, di he died a servant, someone serving others, meeting our greatest need. All of our greatest need is forgiveness of the sin that we have in our life the sins that, we, that have plagued us since we were born. Uh, and Jesus knew that. Uh, he knew you. He knew me by name. Uh, and he did all of that for us. And, and this week, as we look through the, the pageantry of Easter and all the different things sometimes that we make it, I hope we never forget uh, the fact that this is a personal thing for Christ. It was personally for you and personally for me. Is for us as individuals, it's us for a church, it's us for our city. Uh, he did all this for our state, uh, for our country, and for the world. So that the world will, will become, uh, will know who he is and follow him. You know, being a servant, it's not easy, is it? Uh, it's tough being a servant. And I don't think it was easy for Jesus either. Uh, and if you look in scripture, uh, you know, right after Jesus uh, began his ministry, uh, the Satan just tempted him extremely tough. In the, in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 4, uh, we see the passage where he talks about uh, how Jesus was, uh, was brought before Satan, and Satan laid out all these things for him. And, and look at, at what it says in Scripture in chapter 4 of Matthew, beginning with verse 1. He said, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. 
If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. You know, Satan tempts us uh, every day. Uh, and it's not easy. It's not easy to fight off Satan when he attempts it. Especially, you know, when Jesus was hungry and he offered him food. Uh, Jesus came uh, and left the glory of heaven and, and, and Satan showed him the, the things of this earth and said, this could all be yours. Uh, uh, and he did all these things to, to say to, to Jesus to tempt him. And Jesus used scripture to, to fight it off. But I think about it in our lives. How hard is it sometimes when we have all these temptations that are thrown our way? Uh, temptations to not do the right thing. Maybe it's temptations to, to do something to get ahead uh, uh, of your, your neighbor. Or, or something that you can do to, to make yourself look better. Or to be more successful. And all those things that Satan tempts us, it, it's hard to fight off. Uh, and Jesus did. Uh, I don't think it was easy for Christ to do that. Because if you think about it, his first uh, uh, sacrifice he made was when he left the throne of heaven to come live on this earth for, three year, for 33 years. Uh, that, was a, that was a sacrifice in itself. Uh, and, and I'm sure in his mind, as fully human, when Satan was saying, I can give you all these things, uh, you know, the temptation was real. It was there. Just like when Satan tempts us. Uh, on various things in our lives. It's real. And we have to fight it off. We have to use scripture. And Peter it says, resist the devil and he'll flee from us. So I, I challenge each one of us to resist that sin that we have in our life. Uh, you know, being a servant's tough. The world didn't make it easy because the crowd, what did they want? They wanted a king. They wanted him to come in as uh, the person that's going to restore them to back to be the the proud people that, that they wanted to be. They wanted to get the Romans out of their, uh, their neighborhood. Uh, you know, and they, they lifted him up. Uh, you know, and I think all of us have those egos sometimes in life. Isn't it, isn't it nice when somebody looks at you and they lift you up and they praise you for different things? And, you know, I, uh, if we don't believe that's real true in our life, look at our social media pages. Because what do we do? We, we throw our our successes and our, our, our selfies and all the different things that are going on. And anytime there's something successful with one of our kids or one of our family members, we post it so the whole world can see, so we can get praises from them. And there's nothing wrong with being proud of the different things that are happening in your life. But what Jesus is saying, those things aren't important. What's important is, do you love me? Do you serve me? Do you honor me? Uh, the world doesn't make it easy to be a follower of Christ. Uh, Jesus' own humility uh, didn't make it easy for him to be a servant. Do you remember what he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? He prayed to the Father. He said, I don't want to go through all this, uh, but I'm yours. I'm going to do what you want me to do. But if there's any way possible, put this aside. Uh, Help me, you know, Father. And it said the angels attended to him, and he followed through with what God intended. You know, Paul said, don't do anything from selfish ambition or a cheap desire to boast, 
but be humble toward one another, always considering others better than yourselves. And look out for the other's interests, not just for your own. The attitude should be that of Jesus Christ. Humility and service. Uh, you know, I think as we look around the world, I don't know about you, but over the last uh, couple of years, it's just really heartbreaking when you see the, the nature uh, of what's happening around the United States, uh, the disunity that's going on. Uh, the, the, not only disunity uh, in the world, but disunity in our churches, disunity in believers. Uh, people who, who, who are more worried about who they are and how they look uh, than the things that they're doing to serve Christ. Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul urges us to adopt an, an attitude of servanthood. Uh, we need to benefit from the fact that Jesus shed his blood uh, and, and encourage ourselves to be servants of Christ and can continue to carry on his ministry, the ministry that he wants to happen, reconciliation with God. Uh, just like Jesus met us, if you're a believer, at your greatest need, salvation, we're encouraged to meet people at their greatest need and try to lead them into that relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know, sometimes that's not easy and sometimes that's inconvenient. You know, does it seem like you when someone needs help from you or if you get a call from a neighbor or a friend or someone you may not even know and ask for help, it's always at the most inconvenient time? Uh, it's always maybe at the time when you feel like you're too busy to help or you, you know, you got too much going on or maybe you're not compassionate enough to help. Uh, maybe it'll be a phone call. Those phone calls usually come in the middle of the night, don't they? Uh, can you help? Uh, or it may be a request that seems bigger than you can handle. So what do we do? Well, I just can't help. It's bigger than I know what to do, so we put it aside. Uh, Jesus said that we need to do the things we can to try to meet those needs, to help people who are in despair, uh, to show the love of Jesus, to be the hands and feet of Christ. Uh, I think sometimes we even say, you know what, that job's too easy. Uh, somebody else can do it. You know, I look at even within the church, if you've followed what's going on around here lately, Man, we're begging for help, taking care of kids, uh, working in the nursery, teaching Sunday school, uh, serving in our mission stuff. You know, we're asking people to jump in and help. And a lot of us are jumping in there and doing it. But a lot of us are very comfortable saying, you know what, I'm not going to take the nature of a servant. I'm going to be served. Uh, so I challenge you, when, when you look around you and you see things that need to be done to serve Christ, he's asking you to do it. Uh, to get involved. So as we enter uh, this week uh, of holiness, remember that it's not easy. We have responsibilities uh, that we need to do. Uh, servanthood means helping and caring with humility and love and serve others unselfishly. Jesus said if anyone wants to be great, he needs to be a servant of all. Uh, the Son of Man did not come to serve, to be served, but to serve. So, remember that. And look at your own heart. Uh, as, we, as we enter this week, what a great week to look at us and see where we are with Christ. What's your relationship with Jesus? We don't ever need to assume that we're where we need to be. Uh, we don't ever need to assume that our family members are where they need to be with Christ, or where our neighbors are, or our Sunday school members. Uh, 
There are people probably sitting in this room right now that think we're okay, but we don't have that repentant heart uh, because of the barriers that we've put up between us and God. So we need to humbly serve people so we can lead them into uh, to have a repentance heart. You know, as we look at the death uh, of Christ this next week and all the different people that condemned him and all the people that, that uh, you know what, they were some of the same ones that were in the crowd worshiping the week before. Uh, what changed? Uh, you know, some of those were threatened with uh, death. Some of those were threatened with power. Uh, some of them were refused to back down. Some of them ran away scared. Uh, but I think we saw through the disciples and through his followers, it's very clear that none of those people could do it on their own. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they, they changed their lives. Uh, but it's important for us to understand who we are and are we true believers? Do we, do we know who we are in Christ? Uh, I, I, got, I told our men's ministry group that I meet with, I got a message from a friend this week or last week. Uh, and, uh, and you know, it's kind of a personal thing. Dawson and I have been, we were in class from the second grade all the way through high school together, friends through college, uh, have kept up through the years, uh, know his family, know his kids. He knows uh, mine and, uh, my, and who my family is. Of course, we, we live several states apart now. We keep up mostly through social media or whenever I go home, uh, I'll check in on him. And, and he's a good friend. Uh, and this is what he sent. Uh, he said, I wanted to share this because we've been asked why we were recently baptized. Both of us have been baptized before. He's talking about he and his wife. He said, mine was a, uh, as a child with a sprinkling uh, in another church where I was raised. I grew up in church and have always had the, that foundation to rely upon. I started my children in church, but due to life situations, I did not make it a priority. Years later, when my daughter told me that she did not have an understanding of the basic stories and teachings from the Bible, it broke my heart. I always tried to live my life as a good example, but I realized that was not enough. My wife was a, a, a good woman, and I allowed myself to take a back seat and follow her lead when it came to church. I decided that I wanted to be the spiritual leader for my family, and I want to make a public profession of faith and follow through with baptism. And I talked over with Sandra, and we decided that we both wanted to dedicate ourselves to God. So we chose the weekend of our wedding anniversary to do that. So with our children and grandchildren watching, we were baptized. I pray that God will use this in the lives of my children and grandchildren and that he will use us in our church and our community. Uh, you know, I, I told the guys, that, that's a wonderful story. Uh, and it's, I'm so proud of Dawson for that. But then when I read it, you know what it did to me? I've been his friend for 55 years. And I don't think I ever asked him about his relationship with Jesus. Uh, I knew he went to church. I knew he was a good guy. Uh, and if he would have died and gone to hell, I never asked him. Uh, you know, and there's people we probably have in our Sunday school classes. There's people that live in our neighborhoods. Uh, there's people that we work with. There's family members that are probably a lot like Dawson. They're good people. But they don't have a saving knowledge of Christ. And this week of Holy Weeks made me think, that's why Jesus walked, rode down that road 
knowing that he was going to be crucified. He did it for those people like Dawson. Uh, but he also challenges us as we go out. Like Bobby said the, a couple of weeks ago, we need to be begging people uh, to find out what their relationship with Jesus is. So today I'm asking you, you know, you may say, I've been coming to church here for 50 years. You know what Jesus would say? Big deal. Uh, uh, that's not what gets you into a relationship with him and to heaven. He wants to know that you've repented of your sin and followed him. Uh, you may say, well, you know, my kids, uh, they don't really go to church. You know, if nothing else over the last year, what's showed us, we're just another activity in a lot of people's lives. Uh, are we passionate about Christ? Do we want to serve Him? Uh, do we want to do everything we can to lead our kids, to lead our family? Do we want to be like Dawson says, He wants to be used in the lives of His children, grandchildren, and our church and community? Uh, that's a transformation. That's a transformation that Jesus wants us all to have. So today, as we leave this place, uh, as we leave this place of worship where we come together on Palm Sunday and we, we saw the kids wave the palm branches and we saw the other kids dancing and Polly sang the beautiful hymn and then we're here. If we walk out the doors, uh, is it, are we changed? Are we different? Are we ready to, to do what Jesus wants us to be? To serve others so that we can lead them into a relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, we just thank you so much uh, for your sacrifice for us. Uh, we thank you how you changed lives. Uh, we, ch we thank you that in, in the middle of all the stuff that's going on in our world, uh, Father, and we just know that you're still, you're still in control. Uh, we do... Uh, ask you to be with us, Lord. We ask you to, to reignite that passion that we have had for you. Help us, Father, to, to love you so much that we're willing to do whatever it takes to lead our friends and our family and our co-workers into a closer relationship with you. And Father, I pray right now in this room, I don't want to assume that anybody that's here uh, knows you as Savior and Lord. And I pray if there's someone that doesn't, uh, even though someone may have been in church for a long time, I pray you'll speak to hearts and let people uh, uh, come to you and repent of their sin uh, and follow you. Father, as we go through our lives over this next week, this holy week, help us to, to focus uh, on your sacrifice. But Father, most importantly, help us to focus on what we can do to make this sacrifice not in vain. Father, we love you and we praise you. And we have this time of response. I pray that you'll just open our hearts to hear from you. We love you. In your name I pray. Amen.